0: As warrior dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away, but unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades, and it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download, and all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com, just download it, start, start implementing it and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dads mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartome, and this is the Warrior Dads Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for tuning back in for another episode of the Warrior Dads Podcast. Today I am honored to bring on Adam Lamb to the show, and Adam has a lot of cool things that we're going to go over. Um some really really interesting really interesting space that he's in so i can't actually wait to hear some of the things i know some of what he's going to share and then some of the things i'm really really looking forward to so for any of you that do not know adam lamb uh adam is the founder of new life management group an innovative company building companies in the hormone optimization regenerative medicine and stem cell treatment space he's also the author of the bestseller better than the binge, overcoming the social obligation of alcohol, where he helps ordinary people remove alcohol from their lives so that they can accomplish extraordinary things. Adam is a devoted husband of 12 years and a father to an 11-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. Adam often speaks on managing the daily challenges of an entrepreneur, family man, and also keeping himself in peak physical condition. If you had to, if you had asked him to sum up his lifestyle in one word, it would be discipline. Adam, thanks so much for coming on the Warrior Dads podcast.
1: Hey, Jim, thank you. And thanks for the the great introduction. I'm uh, happy to be here and hope to provide some value to your listeners.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. I can't wait to uh, to dive into a lot of this stuff and what you're doing and um, your book and, and all that. So um, I'm, I'm excited. So, um, So just kind of, if you can, you know, that was a good that was a good amount of information in the uh in the bio but you know just kind of how did you get into this how did you create new life management group how did you get into the hormone optimization the stem cell space and you know the, the inspiration for your book and so just kind of get into the little backstory of how you got to where you are today
1: yeah from so um from a business standpoint uh i i was kind of at a time I was a portfolio manager for a large mortgage company in the finance space and the money was good, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. I really loved health and fitness and, um, helping people, uh, even though I might've been helping people with their mortgage or something, it wasn't the same, uh, it wasn't as gratifying as, you know, kind of my, my side hustle I'll call it was, you know, coaching people doing nutrition coaching. And I was fortunate enough to work with some high profile people, some uh, a couple celebrities some pretty uh high profile business folks and were you doing that out of no i was doing so primarily i was doing like online coaching before it was popular you gotta imagine uh, it was like all via email before social media you know you're talking 15 years ago right and so uh yeah yeah and it it was just it started kind of with a couple pretty cool clients it just spilled into more i would have uh, men and women, you know, t- sending me a picture of the menu and, uh, you know, and things like that. So it was, it was very interesting. And, but what it led me to see is that in this process, I discovered that some of my older clients were not getting the same results. And what through research, realizing that there was, there had hormone deficiencies, like, as you get older, your hormones change. And uh, we all know that like, it's just part of the aging process. And so not only was it very interesting to me, I was only probably 26 at the time. And so for me, I was not really struggling with that. And so what I realized though, is there wasn't a lot of physicians out there that knew what they were doing. And some of the ones that knew what they were doing had the bedside manner of like an old Scrooge. So I couldn't send these like high profile, you're know, talking like, I had some clients that were billionaires that I was trying to refer out and they would like call me and say, Adam, don't send me to some quack like that. And I'm like, ooh, I could lose this client of mine because I'm referring them to the wrong person. So I spent a lot of time researching and finding some really, really good physicians that understood it. And then I, uh, even though the process that, you know, any anyone out there, I think that deals with medicine from a patient standpoint is like there's a lot to be desired. It's usually like a, a painful process or you just kind of feel left uh, without something, some answers and things like that. So what we did is created a, a, a process that helps connect those patients with those physicians. And, you know, fast forward, we've created a, a, a business. that's like a management service organization that helps provide that service for physicians. So physicians will either hire a company to come in and say, hey, man, help me make a great experience for, for the patients. And it's we primarily focus in the hormone replacement therapy space. And uh, now we've moved into the regenerative medicine kind of like stem cell uh you know recovery uh rehabilitation space uh, to do that as well.
0: How how's the stem cell? Because I don't know, I I've heard that there's a lot of work being done in the Panama area and all that stuff for the stem cells, but
1: how is it in the in the States? Yeah, it's awesome. And, and so it, it, stem cells is a big conversation in the sense of there's so many different specific areas, right? It's it's like talking about going to school. You could be talking about preschool, kindergarten, you know, K, you know K-12, college, right? Like there's all these different things that fall into it. But at uh-huh. the general consumer view, um, most people don't know anything about it, right? So, but you you obviously know a little bit because you mentioned Panama. So like, uh, Dr. Neil Royden, um, who I know, I work, we do some stuff with his team um, out of da- out of up here in Dallas, uh, but he's he's got a great facility based out of uh, Panama. And what they do in Panama is is different than what's legally done in the United States. So mm-hmm. in the us, there's different ways to do stem cells. there's where they pull your own stem cells from your fat, which isn't that great. They pull it from your bone marrow, which can hurt, which isn't that great. Um, and then there's also, um, harvested umbilical tissue so when a healthy mom healthy baby c-section takes place there's an opportunity for them to donate uh, or be compensated for the umbilical cord and there's a the umbilical cord has the largest amount of mesenchymal stem cells of any tissue anything out there any anywhere any, anything it's the best and they're healthy and fresh right i, I joke with as well as some clients that are like 70 years old and they're thinking about using their own stem cells, which would be like from bone marrow, which really hurts, um, or fat, which is the FDA's really, I think, kind of shut down. We've never done it, so I, I, I don't know if, if the people are still doing it. But the, the difference is, is you know, those the stem cells have been around for a long time in the body, and they're not as regenerative. The fitness of the cells is what, how we call it is not as good as a brand-new umbilical cord. And so the umbilical cord is not mm-hmm. embryonic. That's something that I personally, a, a, ethically, wouldn't even be okay with. Um, nor is it the healthiest way to do it. It's it's actually a lot of risk with embryonic, which is non-adult stem cells. Once an umbilical cord is considered adult, because it's a full-term baby uh, that it comes from. Mm. And that's mm. that's
0: yeah. We actually saved uh, my my sons. We we have. Uh... Some things with Alpha Cord, I think, is the company that we used and, uh, or use. And we have his stuff like frozen and preserved and stuff like that, just in case he ever, yeah. Needs we did
1: it. it for both of my kids, uh, as well. And the crazy thing is that, it, in, and I, I, this would be for another conversation, but you could actually use that as well. And you could use anyone. So, I mean, th- that that's the cool part about umbilical cord tissue is it doesn't have HLA markers, which are like the blood markers that can Mm-mm. you know that like, like you could have like a reaction from different blood types things like that Um, so you don't you don't have to worry hmm. about those things with umbilical cord tissue umbilical cord blood you do so that's how, like i just say that because there's some little nuances through the process of the stem cell expri- exploration um, and we work with a lot of folks i personally did stem cells in my achilles tendon I had a tear for 12 months that just wouldn't heal and i have like Crazy resources from from a physician standpoint, and finally, I just did the stem cell and treatment to my Achilles tendon. Thirty days later, pain's gone. I can jump again. I can drive, and now I'm I'm a few months out from that, and I can I'm mean, back to running and everything like that. So it's but twelve months of doing all kinds of other pills and ointments, and even did some peptide protocols, and uh, didn't get what I was looking for. So stem cells are amazing. We've helped tons of people get things you know you're talking rotator cuff repairs all kinds of stuff you know knees i mean the knee repair is amazing and so it's it's an incredible thing and like you know my goal going back to all this uh how i originally started this conversation was really passionate about helping people and providing Mm -hmm. something you know like when i get an email that's like man i'm back in the game again and i get to you know like i said i've worked with some high profile people We get to work with a lot of Pro athletes or retired pro athletes, and it's uh, it's fun. It's amazing. It's great. It's good to see someone in a movie who we helped. You know, something like that. So it's pretty yeah. gratifying. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: How about the book? How did that come about? Because that's an interesting uh, sub subtitle of overcoming the social obligation yeah, so of alcohol.
1: It, it, it's a it's kind of a cool story, and, and I've always been a drinker. I think. I mean. In high school, I was a drinker, and I would probably say I drank more than I should have, like, in my lifetime, meaning I, from, like, 18 to, to, you know, 26 or so, I was, I worked at nightclubs, so it was just like a party atmosphere. I mean, we'd go into work at 8 o'clock at night, have some drinks, go out afterwards, you know, like, it was just a, it was that environment. Um, I think it started a little bit in, like, you know, drink a beer in high school, uh, you know, carried over into that going out and carrying on sort of lifestyle in my 20s and um and what i found was that there's a lot of people that just like that was the habit that we got into whether it's like going to a concert or going to event like you just go and drink like everything's kind of built around drinking and um there was a time it was like 2016 after this coming out of the summer so i lived in michigan uh, all my life i'm in texas now but i lived in the lake and and in the summer, you kind of squat on the lake a lot, you drink, you eat garbage food, and I'm a pretty healthy fit guy, but by the end of the summer, I didn't feel that way, right? You almost get like kind of sick of yourself, and so towards the end of summer after, um, I believe it's Labor Day, I was like, you know what? I'm taking a 30 days dry, quit drinking, and I'm going to clean up my diet at the same time, and a lot of people do that, uh, It's just some buddies of mine, so I got 30 days in, and that 30 days... I had to go to Vegas for a convention, which was kind of tough because that's like, you know, where, where people just go and drink, <laughs> right? Like that's – and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I overcame that. And I felt like – I felt good about myself. I was like – I felt – it was a, a, a different feeling of being – I felt awkward in the crowd, but I also felt like I'm up early. I went and worked out every morning where usually I'm like sleeping to the last minute before I had to go for meetings and things like that. So I'm like, I'm going to try another 30 days. And uh, so I had another 30 days at some other – pretty cool events and halloween parties and all this kind of stuff and got through that so we're 60 days in. i'm like man i'm gonna try this is good i feel great like, like i couldn't say the last time i went 60 days without drinking it, it probably was like my bodybuilding years which would have been you know probably eight years before that and um so i went another 90 uh, th- sorry another 30 days and i hit that 90 day mark and and i remember telling my wife this is after thanksgiving after dealing with family and the holidays and i was like i don't I'm not gonna drink again. i think i'm done drinking forever done and and this was um so i was probably 36 i think is how old I was and made that decision then and and it was like so convicting where i just felt so good about it and then it made me kind of reflect and through this process fortunately i journaled and wrote down my challenges and how i overcame things and how you know just that process of doing it and then i realized the hardest part was overcoming the social obligation of alcohol. And that's what that book is about. It's better than the binge overcoming the social obligation of alcohol, because I realize there's a lot of people out there that struggle with drinking. Now you, there's always someone who's worse than you at drinking, right? There's always like, Oh, I'm not as bad as that guy. So like then it removes the thought of having that alcohol problem. And so I, I wanted to like share this with people to kind of help, give them permission to maybe stop drinking, like open the opportunity to it. And I didn't want to be the guy that's like, you know, Hey, can we sit down, Jim, and have a talk? And that, you know, because like that's how you lose friends. So I figured I would, (laughs) I I was like, I'm going to write a book. I've always wanted to write a book. And um, so I reached out to this guy, Tucker Max, who um, he owns, they changed the name of the company, but it was called book in the box. But uh, Tucker was a friend of a friend. And I reached out kind of pitching the idea and he's like, dude, that's awesome. Let's do it. He actually wrote the book, I Hope They Serve Beer and hell, which is kind of contradictory from my book, which we kind of thought was funny. But um, (laughs) it was an interesting thing to work on together. So, yeah, I wrote the book.
0: So when you say drinking, though, like when you say drinking, you're talking about like alcohol. Like, you know, no, I know alcohol. But how many drinks would you consider to be drinking? Like, you know, when you're saying I didn't have a drink. You know, that sounds pretty literal to me, right? You're not even having a beer. But would you consider a beer drinking, right, in your book? Or you're talking about five, six, eight yeah. beers and, and throughout the night. You know, like getting drunk is classified as yeah, drinking. Yeah,
1: so it, it, it's a you bring up a great point and a great topic to it. Is the moment we try to justify or figure out where the line is with alcohol, it's usually leading us to a path of... Like of to question a bit more, and so w- when so people ask me, you know, like, well, I don't have a drinking problem, and, and, and so I, you know, some people do or whatever. Like my, my my wife still drinks. I still buy, literally, bought wine last night while I was out um, at the I went to the grocery store later to just because she drinks wine regularly, right? And so mm-hmm. she doesn't have a bad relationship with alcohol. So I don't really talk about a bad pr- a problem with alcohol. but It's more about a relationship. And so what I've I've kind of laid out for people is that if you ever drink to intoxication, like drink to where you're like, ooh, like you're feeling it, right? Like you know consciously that you are removed from your normal state, um, Mm -hmm. you might have a bad relationship with alcohol. If you do that regularly, you definitely have a bad relationship with alcohol. If you just have like a glass of wine, you know, every few nights a week or something like that, and that's what you do, and that's what you unwind, you're fine. But I would challenge you... To remove that for 90 days and see how you feel and so i've brought hundreds of people through that 90 day process of just like yeah you don't have a problem i don't think you have a problem but let's let's try this and most of the time that you know they turn into like a three drink a year person as opposed to three drink a week person
0: right yeah because i think a lot of people listening To this will just automatically go to themselves and look at themselves right as as they're saying as you're describing yourself they're going to look and like how many drinks a week do i have or how many drinks a day do i have you know something like that so you know that's kind of at least where my mind went and i'm thinking myself well you know okay we had some friends over over the weekend i had a beer and then but like before that like i never have beers during the week and i'm not even really that big of a beer person like if i have any beers like corona light because it's just too heavy Mm -hmm. for me so i might have like a little bourbon but I'll, like the last time I had bourbon be, before that was like over a month, <laughs> right? So it's just, you know, I, I just was thinking like other people listening to this, I'm wondering how they're classifying it in their head. So I just wanted to, you know, have you elaborate on that. So that's good. I like that. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. It's a, it's a way to look at it And like the hard reality is, is alcohol's poison. You're, mm-hmm. you're bringing a, a, a toxin into your body to achieve a certain, feeling or to escape a certain feeling and when you talk about it that way it's like there there really isn't much warm and fuzziness to it <clears throat> and and so for for me it was just a matter of like I, I, what i did is I, I would have a drink or two every night right and and i couldn't remember that when i decided to quit drinking so it was like always that like way to knock the edge off of the day or stress or whatever and what i realized is that pulling that away made me have to deal with manage stress a little bit better and differently because a lot of people they don't realize how much of a little bit of a crush that alcohol actually is in their life until they remove it so i am never someone that preaches it or pushes on it but i've tried to create an environment that's safe for someone to come up to me and say hey man tell me a little bit about your book and, and you know how long you quit drinking and, and those kind of things and tell me about the process and then i i just share with them you know and help walk them through what that might look like. And then uh, sometimes I've seen people just, the goal is to change the relationship with alcohol Uh, to notice it's not like, just look at it a little differently as opposed to like, you don't, you don't have to drink, you know, you can, I do tons of fun stuff. I go to concerts, I go to sporting events, I travel, I'm going out to LA next week with two of my best friends and we're going to do a bunch of awesome stuff and I won't drink. They will. Um, right. But I know the they'll, right. they'll governor a, a little bit. Then when we, you know, years ago, we, the three of us who watch drinking, it would have been an absolute, like, who knows, who knows what might happen. So it's, it's uh, interesting yeah. to see that dynamic change.
0: Yeah, I drive everywhere that we go, you know, I mean, for the most part, like we don't, I, I typically don't Uber, I like to be able to have that freedom of leaving if we need That's to leave or, or something like that. Plus I also have a permit to carry and, um, you just have to be, you know, responsible of course with that. So I, I'm actually one of those people that don't drink a whole lot. And I, I know I see a lot of people around me drink and I'm okay with it. You know, it doesn't matter because I can still have a good time with it. So it's just about that responsibility yeah. factor, but, I'm, but I'm curious of your thoughts. Um, before we move on to the next part of what I wanted to talk about, this just kind of brought, brought it up in my head is that one of the things that my parents used to do with me, which I think, and it might just be because of my personality too. And I, a lot of people have told me this and I just felt, you know, to be true that I've always been a little bit more mature, even at a younger age, 13, 14. Um, But one of the things my parents did with me, when you mentioned the wine was that they would give me, you know, some sips of wine if I wanted it at the dinner table. They weren't like, Hey, here, here, have a drink, you know, but if I wanted it or if I was curious, they'd, They'd kind of feed that curiosity a little bit, but then I'd understand that it's not something to be abused, you know, because then I would see people abusing it, like, you know, because I grew up in the city and you just see people have one too few many drinks at block parties or whatever it is. And like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. that's what it looks like. And so um, I never really associated with something great or something to aspire to do. So I never was one of those people to get drunk in high school and go to the, the parties in the woods and the kegs and all that kind of stuff. It just didn't really appeal to me. So we've done that with my son, too, is like, you know, if you want to try a little sip or, you know, something like that, he's had wine. He's actually tried bourbon with me and um, he's just had like little sips here and there. He's like, it's so funny because he will like slap his lips together and like taste it when you're like, he's like, oh, okay, it's all right. It's pretty good, you know, or, you know, give you like his tasting notes almost. So I'm just curious kind of now that you have, you know, completely cut it out. I always felt like that took the curiosity away for me and never really wanted to experiment too, too much and, and go too overboard with it. So I didn't know if that was just maybe a coincidence uh, with my personality, or maybe um, if, you, if you've if you ever had that conversation with your kids or given them just a little bit, if they want, I mean, I know that's, I mean, my son's seven, but you have some, you know, you're, you know, ever thought about that or had that conversation? What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: so you bring up a great topic, and I think you are on the right path. With you know, and
0: also I should say I don't have an addictive personality. I, you know, so for anybody listening, to this I don't I don't resonate with addiction because I don't really technically think that there's anything I've been addicted to, or that I could say that I've been addicted, like right. my son's hugs or something like that. You know what I mean? So. Um, <laughs> But but there's nothing I felt like I could need be a certain way or achieve a certain goal or something like that.
1: Yeah, so I think you bring up a great point. And I think too often as parents, so since I'm going to tie into the parenting piece and kind of we'll keep, wrap up the alcohol side. Is So my dad had a, a major alcohol problem. It was literally drink himself to death. Um, it was, he chose basically alcohol over his family, which led to my uh, parents getting divorced at a young age for, for me and my brother. And I think that the taboo of alcohol, it's like, you would think I would have looked at it and be like, man, alcohol, alcohol was the worst thing that ever happened in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you would have thought I would have just been like almost similar to you in the sense of kind of stay away, maybe here and there. But I think what happened is the curiosity of what was so great about alcohol that pulled my dad away, right? That made me pour into it. Because, you know, I probably started drinking at 14, you know, like hanging out, having you know, we sneak beers or something like that. At, uh, but it was like the crowd of guys I hung out with, that's what we did. And so that, you know, if I was in a crowd hanging out maybe with you, it would have been different and maybe not have been in there. But it made me curious, right? And so I think what your parents are doing or I'm sorry, what you were doing and maybe what your parents did is, is probably a good thing um, to take away the taboo take away. Cause we're just curious. And, and it, I think that even whether it's, you know, talking about intimacy with your kids like, like my daughter's six, my son's 11 and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't want it. They're so innocent. and But like, I don't want them learning from some moron on the bus. <laughs> I, want to, I want to teach them. Right. So, Yes. You got to hop in and take the bull by the horns to be the one that's the guide, to be the one that's the leader. Don't let them get all their information from someone else. You know, like when I think of myself as a kid, um, I got a lot of information through bad sources, uh, not through good sources, right? And so that puts a bad uh, visual visual on certain things, and then can lead to a bad relationship with things, whether it's a bad relationship with people, the opposite sex, with Uh, alcohol or whether it leads to, you know, whatever. in those, and like, I don't think, you know, you you talked, you talked about having an addictive personality and, you know, myself, I don't think I have an addictive personality, but I think I have an obsessive personality, meaning that I don't do anything a little bit. Uh, You know, when I, like just Mm -hmm. recently I decided to, I was like, I want to start being good at golf. So I, I go 30 minutes every day, hit balls, I shouldn't say five days a week, I hit balls, 30 minutes. A day and I go to one lesson a week and so and it's my golf I went from like a total mess to in three weeks my golf my 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 golf uh, whatever you call them trainer teacher um, is like dude I've never seen you improve like you but it's because I'm I'm all in I've decided I got my clubs I'll practice swinging and night before I go to bed like I do that and I do the same thing with business I do the same thing with parenting I do the same thing with my health um, where I am obsessive in, in certain things but addictive Not, you know, like I can just just once I make the decision in my head to change my mind, I just change. That's it. There's nothing that pulls me in the other direction. Um, And so I think going into that that segue of the parenting piece, though, is it is our job as parents to explain to our kids all the things that scare us and all the things that we love. And we spend too much time with the things we love. And unfortunately, they may end up out in society um, dealing with the things that scare us on their own because we're too scared to address it right so alcohol could be something for me or i could t- totally avoid it and make it this taboo thing that maybe my kids go and venture into on their own and have a repeat situation right um, so mm-hmm. those are all things we have to think about is like what scares us what are we worried about and uh and address that early and create comfort around the conversation
0: yeah you said the other day when we were talking offline about um how this, there's like a joke around your friends that you're like the Tony Robbins dad right? <laughs> right a little bit about that because I thought that was I thought that was funny, but it went with the conversation that we were having um and I definitely and I told you even then that I wanted you to mention that and talk about that because um I think that's really important. Um, the context of what you were saying when you said that people call you the Tony Robinson. Cause you won't just, you won't just say something and then walk away from the conversation with your kids. You'll actually have that conversation with them, whether it's, you know, whether it's a tough conversation or not. So just kind of go into that and, and why, why people call you that. And
1: yeah. So, uh, well, uh, even, even my son, there. you know, he'll ever, he'll say something and then, and then he, he does it. Now it's almost daily, I think, cause I laugh about it. So it's like, he got a rise out of me. And, and it's like, oh, here comes the speech. And he's 11 years old. And he's like, Dad, can I just ask you without a speech? And I'm like, listen, dude, yeah. you need to understand this, right? And, it's, and we just, think, like, just stuff, you know, with him, a recent thing with my son that we're having a challenge with. Not even a challenge, but, like, everything to me is, is a challenge or an opportunity to to teach and lead. And, like, man, it's our job as parents to do it. Because, listen, the world is full of morons that I don't want teaching my kids Anything, right? And so yeah, to it's that. our job to be the one that they're like, that individual knows. And and here's the deal. We're not perfect. So we got to spend a lot of time getting better, right? Self-improvement, reading books, doing these things. If you're not doing that, you're losing. And anyway, and so that's part. There's my little speed Tony Robbins speech of why I get called that. But so, you know, my son, for example, will make a statement. And I'm like, Michael, how do you know? Do you know that as a fact or you're just guessing? And I'm like, listen, let me explain something to you. You know when i was young and i wanted to learn something i had to like i didn't have any books in my house sort of like go to the library or wait till i got to school or ask somebody who hopefully knew i was like you have google you can take your phone type it in and just whatever stupid question or, or whatever it was just whatever it is that you know he thinks he knew or didn't think he knew or didn't think i knew and just look it up you can google all this stuff and find these facts you know and, and so just teaching it just teaching things and then i'll pour into something like listen man if you're the guy that just spouts off your opinion as it's fact, but it's not fact, people will not trust your word. So, if you are going to talk about something that you believe is factual, look it up to find out that it's factual. So, you can be a trusted source and you can be a leader and people will want to listen to you and people will trust what you say. Or every time you speak, people aren't going to listen. They're going to roll their eyes. Like, is it important to you that people trust in you and want to? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let me show you how to do that. You know, so I, I try to take them down a path. And that's just one example of, you know, it's, it's really like leadership is super important to me uh, because I think there's, you're either you lead or you follow and, and it's okay in all different times in life to where you are under leadership as well, but being able to, to lead with your decision-making and, and, and have a thought process and and things like that is super important. And, and uh, today I Mm -hmm. think we struggle with that uh, with, with our, youth yeah i think
0: that that also ties into something we were talking about too before um the other day is that you're teaching your son also how to problem solve and then also how to think and so that that's super super important you're saying question or you're unsure about something go find the of, you know, you showed him the resources or you told him at least one good resource that, you know, should be able to solve any of his uh, problems or answer any of his questions. Um, if he can't come to you and then boom, there you go. So now he's like, all right, I can use that again and I can use that again and again. So if I need help, then I, I know at least one other resource to use besides my parents. Right. So, you know, thinking, you know, teaching him how to think and how to solve those problems for himself is, is huge. You know, and as dads, of course, that's definitely something that we all need to, you know, either get better at or just keep keep going with it. Um, repetition, repetition with just keep teaching our kids how to think and how to solve their own problems instead of, um, you know, just coming up with no answer at all. Because I think you were you were telling me a story that maybe you can share about you were speaking somewhere and you were asking kids uh, some questions and they're all just like. Uh, uh, yeah, like. And I think you were like high school. Yeah, kids like too, right?
1: almost like zombies in, in the sense of that, it, you know, when you ask them to do, and, and it's it's part of we're, we're conditioned to have these phones in our hands or, or something else that's like just occupying our, our mind. And so, you know, really pulling the ability of thinking. It's almost like taking kids to a workout sometimes, unfortunately, where you're, you're getting them to think. And yeah, so, so I work with our youth group at church. Um, in primarily high school, but it's junior high to high school. And sometimes it's a challenge just to sit down and, you know, even if it's like, Hey, what's love to you? Uh, I don't know. i got to think about it. And it, in my head, I'm like, you can't just like spit something out. There's no wrong answer. Let's, you know, like taking them through that path of expressing themselves, um, thinking through something perspective was actually the last thing I spoke about at church was, is, is really just showing them how, changing their perspective can open up the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity, uh, can be some, make something good or bad, um, all these different things, right? Like you can, there, there's just about any scenario you can look at. And there's kind of two sides to what the outcome could be. And a lot of it's just perspective and just really getting them to think, asking them a lot of questions, um, you know, cause there, there's some kids that like they get it, you know, and, and there's others that just, they're not, and I can tell, I know they're not being challenged at home. Not being challenged, I mean, school at all. Uh, you know, they're kind of going through motions there, unfortunately. But that's 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 a big challenge. So, there needs to be adults and guides and leaders like uh, us out there. It's our it's really our role is to get these young people equipped for the future, right? And so, the standards I have for my kids is they're not just I'm just not rolling them out into society, like, I need them to be. The best, and I don't mean straight A's. My son straight up knows I don't care. I'm like, dude, I don't care if you get A's. Like, if you get less than B's, you're probably not trying. Uh, I want you to just understand it. Like, it's a game. Whether it's a, a job, a school, it's a game. Figure out how to win, and go on to what you really care about, right? And and that's kind of what I did um, by default, and uh, and trying to teach them that to, to to just to think and to question and to look at things differently. but
0: Yeah. But you did mention something earlier just rather quickly, but I feel like that's kind of the the, the cornerstone of what we're talking about is that, you know, one of the reasons possibly, and it's not, you know, the only reason or definitively the reason, but if these kids aren't able to do that, then the question arises, are their parents able to do that? Right? So you mentioned reading books and working on yourself first as a dad, as a parent, and then instilling that into the kids as by, you know, like you're saying, leadership, setting an example, creating leadership in them Mm -hmm. and teaching them how to be leaders. I mean, that's really the whole thing, right? It's just and that's kind of actually why I created this podcast, is that because we need to focus on ourselves and be selfish about taking care of ourselves in Really, the most unselfish way possible, right? I mean, if we're doing all of this, yes, one, but then two, to be a better husband, better father, better leader uh, for our family, then that's one of the most unselfish reasons I could, pos- I could possibly think of. Yeah, and it's, so you know, taking care of our bodies, mentally, physically, all that stuff. Yeah, so
1: you know, I look back at, and I wasn't always this way, right? Like, so to to Give a quick background. Like, I mean, I grew up with this feeling of low self-esteem, low self-worth. Um, there was a, just a ton of, like, just lack was everywhere in the world. I could never achieve stuff because I didn't have X, Y, or Z. Um, I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't smart enough. My parents didn't have money, so I wouldn't ever be able to do this. I barely graduated high school. I didn't go to college. So I had all these things that I, like, what, all that stuff I just spewed out. That used to define who I was. So my expectations for myself were low. And when, my ex- when your expectations are low, even as a parent, your expectations for your kids are low. And because there's, like, listen, the biggest misconception out there for, for kids is that adults have it figured out. No, they don't. Kids have it more figured out than adults because they're, they're kind of part of that whole process, right? But adults, it, they don't. And the first thing is an adult to stop and say, man, I don't have my shit together. I don't know, there's so many things I'm scared about, worried about, and I don't want my kids to be that way. So I need to create massive change in my life right now. I gotta learn, I gotta fig- take a look at the mirror, figure out all the stuff that's wrong with me and not be okay with it and how I can change that so I don't turn it in, that past that same fear and insecurity and all that other stuff, worry, whatever it might be with my kids. And there's a lot of people out there that they're great parents that don't have to deal with that. And the good folks like that, um, are empathetic to the ones that maybe didn't, and they can be good role models for those kids, right? So I'm exposed to a lot of kids that may not have parents that have their stuff together. And look, I'm a work in progress, right? I'm the, the the more I the, the more successful I become, the more knowledgeable i become, the more I realize how much I have to go, right? How much more I need to learn. And as opposed to like thinking like, I got it all figured out, I don't by any means. And, and I think the smartest people figure out that they don't have it all figured out
0: either. Um, and that they never really yeah. will. And I tell that to my son all the time. It's not like you're going to get to a point where all of a sudden you're yeah. done. You're done learning. You're done growing as a person. Um, you know, you're just, you're no. never done. You know, you're, there's always going to be something else. There's always going to be another challenge to tackle uh, or something that you want to accomplish or do. And, you know, just don't be, just don't think cause you get to a grown up that you're like, Oh, okay. I'm sit back put my feet and, up.
1: And some of the philosophy you know, that I live by and it, I know that it bothers some people to to think that way. And and you, but I know enough now that it's a, it's a self-reflection, uh, but is I want to be in that top 1%. And so when I initially say that everybody thinks of earnings, sure. That's part of it. That'd be great. But the other part is I want to be the top 1% of husbands out there. I want to be the top 1% of fathers out there. I want to be in the top 1% of health and fitness, right? I want to be in the top 1% of, uh, in leadership i want to be in the top one percent of In faith as a follower of jesus like all of those things are so important to me and i don't want to just like go through life i want to be really intentional in my life on all those places and being really intentional as a parent it's a lot of work you know like there's just there's like yesterday for example my daughter had a soccer practice i had things i could do but i was like you know what i'm just gonna go to her practice because I want her to see dad's there, dad cares. And, you know, I'm not even, you know, I'm not coaches doing the job, but if there's that part of like, I had other stuff to do. And guess what? I'll just do that stuff later after they go to bed to make that sacrifice. It's one hour, it's hot out, you know, it's 90 degrees. It's sun. like, I could find all the reasons not to, but you never know when that one thing is going to do it. Right. I don't spend a ton of time with my kids. Like I try to do the, everything I can. If I'm home, I tuck them in every night for sure. Without a doubt. That's part of the deal. Um, every morning, you know, there's say uh, goodbye, give them a kiss, tell them have a great day and all that kind of stuff. But like sitting on your on the couch with your kids for three hours and watching TV is not being a good parent. It's actually a, ter- it's a terrible parent. Uh, I'd rather spend 15 minutes of being really intentional on something to help them see the world better or to make them feel better about themselves or like, you know, whatever it is. And, and those kind of things whether it's you know, my son plays soccer five days a week. A lot of parents are like, oh, that's so much. Poor kid, he doesn't get a chance. You know, that's, no, it's great. We're instilling hard work. Like I was saying to someone, at, actually at my daughter's soccer practice, I don't believe in like, they should have a ton of free time because the people that have a ton of free time in life usually aren't, aren't that happy or find trouble. And I think that, you know, like just, we exercise, like we work hard. Like when my, a couple of weeks ago, my son had soccer off because it was raining and he was like, "Oh, I get to play video games." I said, "No, dude, go put your your jitsu gi on. We're going to jiu-jitsu because it's been a couple of weeks since we were able to go there due to, to conflicts, mm. conflicting uh, schedules." And he threw a fit. Oh, he was. He, I mean, you would have thought I was like selling him off to somebody. He was so upset. <laughs> and then he went there, trained hard, fought hard, and at the end, he had a smile on his face. I could tell he had that sense of pride and accomplishment that I want, him to, I want him to be addicted to that, right? Not addicted to rest, yeah. not addicted to just relaxing or addicted to taking it easy. And, and I said, hey, you still upset that you went? He's like, no. And, and there was this, it was a great father coaching moment for me because so I was like, listen, man, I promise you all the great things in life are going to look tough. They're going to be intimidating. They're going to be things we don't want to do. But on the backside of it, it feels great. And the harder, you know, it's like, the, the higher the mountain is, the better when you get to the top. And anything that's not, it's, it's just not going to be too worth it, right? You think of like the thrills of video games or something like that, or playing some game on a phone or something, or watching some movie or video, that's all fake gratification. You know, it's, it's like the chemical side, the dopamine things that are going on. It's It's fake. And we want to not let our kids get too much of that. We want to get our kids kind of excited about accomplishment, real accomplishment, not the not the participation yeah. trophies. My son doesn't even care about that. <laughs> he's like, the, he won't even take it. He won't stay around for it.
0: Yeah. I always ask my son, you know, do, is whatever you're doing getting you better, smarter, stronger, or faster? You know, and I use those four things. It's like, you know, better, stronger, smarter, faster. And sometimes it's no, you know what I mean, depending on what mm-hmm. it is. And we'll let him watch TV for a little bit, you know, if he's got, if he comes home and he's, you know, been at it at school for a little while, and he comes home and he does his homework right away. Especially on the days that we have jujitsu, like last night and tomorrow, we'll have jitsu and um, but we got to eat before jujitsu, and then all that. So if he wants to watch, you know, like one show or something like that, I'll be like, all right, you can sit down and relax for a little bit. But then he knows that he's going to jujitsu, you know. And even if he feels a little tired, you have like, to have, hey, dude, we have to have downtime.
1: You, know I mean? you got to give. You, we have to do it ourselves. I probably struggle with it the most is to take that time of rest. But it's it's reward to hard work. It isn't the standard. Rewards, rewards. Yeah, reward. it's just, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, it's I'm just going to lay around because I'm done with my, I, I went to school and I came home. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not how it works. Let's go for a bike ride or grab your book. You're reading for 30 minutes. Like, there's there's something. Because the people, if, if we teach our kids to fill their time with productive things, then our kids are going to, fill their life with productive things if we teach them to fill their life with relaxing and taking it easy they're going to fill their life with relaxing and taking it easy and um mm-hmm. you know that's not what i want for my kid
0: yeah do you uh do you roll with your
1: i do not so i had a neck surgery in november um so i may start after and you know once i hit my 12 month mark but i can't Yeah, right now i cannot but and i want to trust me i'm uh, i love it <laughs> but i and, uh, yeah. but I, but yeah, eventually
0: you don't want to mess. You don't mess. mess with no, neck, though. no, that's, I don't want to roll the dice there. Someone gets you in one guarantee right. and you're right, done. exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. no, uh, there's a, there's a plaque outside of our jujitsu studio. Um, what's well, it's inside, but it's right outside of the room and it says, there's nothing a good roll can't cure. So I thought of oh, that when that. you mentioned the story about your son, you know, how he got so pissed off and he's like, you know, you, you thought he, you think you were selling them away. And then after he gets done rolling, boom, it's cured, you know? So I just, I think of that. Yeah. I love that. So that's cool. So, so you said if you could sum up your lifestyle in one word, it would be discipline. When did you start to implement that? And what's, what's one, or this is a good question. What's one thing that you struggle the most with to implement discipline and maybe you still continue with it now, or maybe it's just you know something you're you're on autopilot with. But what's the what's the one thing you struggled with when you started implementing discipline into your life um, that maybe that maybe somebody else is struggling with right now?
1: Yeah, I think that um, that's a great question, and I think that most people struggle to have discipline in their life. Period. Right. So, like, and, and yeah. the reason is because we struggle to set goals. Um, because if we set goals then we have to make effort which is discipline to attain those goals so if I don't set any goals then I don't have to be disciplined and I don't have to feel bad and so I spent most of my life um, thinking that way and and what happened is you know I think what happened I think of a specific moment where it was after I got married and I've always been into working out and kind of being fit and uh, one of my buddies is like, well, he came up to me. He's like, well, you're married now. Um, you are just going to quit working out? I'm like, no, why would I do that? And he's <laughs> like, well, you got, you got the chick. Why does it matter? And I'm like, no, dude, like he's one of those guys that the only reason he's going to the gym is to like try to meet girls. And and I was like, no. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, maybe I'll do bodybuilding. And he's like, you're not going to do that. And I'm like, and that and that's really when I think of like some of the silly things that have motivated me in my life, it's been people telling me I can't do something. Uh, my like the number one way to get me to, you know, it's, and it's kind of like that stubborn, ignorant mindset, but the number one thing you can do to get me to do something is tell me I can't do it. And so right. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do one. And my buddy Rob and I kind of tell the story cause it's funny. He always tries to take credit for some of these things, but, uh, So I I was like, I'm going to learn bodybuilding. So I tried to find a coach and all these kind of things, and realized that, and and that was the first time in my life I'd ever been disciplined. Meaning, like, here's the food I eat, here's the day I train, I do this, like I just, and and you get to see the result, right? So I got to see my body change, my strength change, every all this stuff. And so what that does, and this is why I think, like, the, the, the fitness industry, the bodybuilding kind of community, why they get so kind of addicted and obsessed is I, I understand it. Um, and there's a, the, the other book I'm working on. It's called From Lifting Weights to Lifting Lives. And it talks about that same discipline being carried over in other areas of your life. Because uh, you'll meet people that in the fitness or bodybuilding community that, like, they can take their bodies to crazy levels. that Like, you couldn't even – The discipline is nuts, but their life everywhere else is a mess. They can't have a relationship. They can't hold a job. They're terrible parents. Like, and and it's like, not all of them. I'm just saying, like, you see it where you're like, oh my gosh, if you could just apply these principles to your life, you could do anything. Right. And so that's where I first got the taste of discipline. And I realized that when I structured and I have goals and I lay these things out and I achieve them, it feels better than anything in the world. Right. And so that would be when I think the discipline really kicked in um, for me. And so now it's 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 grown to a place of like, I'm not comfortable unless I'm uncomfortable. Like unless I feel like I'm being shot at or the world's coming down on me, um, I feel like out of place, you know, and and there's probably some unhealthy sides to it as well. But um, for me, it's what makes me happy. You know, like I love to have my brain going a bazillion miles an hour and have all these tasks and challenges and uh, things in front of me. And it's because I've pushed myself to be that way um, to, to you know, kind of accomplish the things that I have accomplished and plan to accomplish. And I have crazy, crazy goals, you know, which, which yeah. is important, too.
0: One of the other things that you mentioned um, the other day, too, that you mentioned a couple times which really made me think and also just listen to what you said right there is really important in really everybody's life but especially really prevalent in yours is that you have to have that why mm-hmm. right i mean and and i actually have in in my coaching practice i say you know with my clients that your, your why should make you cry and it, one because it's it rhymes so it's cheesy but you can remember it because it's cheesy and it rhymes but the thing is is that it's your why should make you cry i say is because that it should actually spark so much emotion in you that you do feel something right maybe you do want to cry maybe you don't but it should spark something in you that's like wow that's that's so deeply rooted in me that if i were to say i'm going to do x to get me closer to my y or i'm going to do you know z that's going to get me closer or farther away from it there's really no choice because because that y is so important to you so you know how have you how did you come up with your why? And have you ever, have you already started having that conversation with your kids and having them set goals for themselves and figuring out what their why might be, even though they're, you know, even though some of them are so young? Yeah.
1: I think first I'd like to say that that's fantastic. uh, A saying of your why should make you cry. Cause when you say it, I I think of the, my why, and it, it does make me want to cry. It, does bring tears to my eyes. It does make me emotional, and and I think, and we'll probably hit on this a little bit later. But you know, my why is to help as many people as possible, and and when you really truly are trying to help as many people as possible, just w- regardless of what it is, whether I help someone uh, quit drinking, whether I help somebody, uh, you know, find themselves again after you know imbalances in their hormones, or help somebody who. I, you know, got back to being able to go uh, do a marathon again, and they are out for years because their knee was bad or something like those kind of things. From a business standpoint, like those wise, that that still makes me really really happy. Um, but to change lives is is to me like the most amazing thing, and, and I talk about it a little bit with with my kids. Um, my daughter not as much, you know. I mean, we just have these l- kind of little mini lessons, I think. But mm-hmm. working on, I think as adults, if we if our why doesn't make us cry, we got to hurry up and figure that out because if, if we don't have, if we're not real passionate about something like that, we're gonna not be very passionate about anything else and we need to have you have to have that passion. And, um, and too often I think our pat we're we're, too, uh, we're passionate about um, being safe, being comfortable, um, being unchallenged, um, I was reading something recently and it was talking about the climber, the camper. And then there was a third one. I don't remember, which is you can, it, it's lower than the camper, which is like the person that doesn't even try. And it was really interesting to me. I think it was, was talking about a adversity quotient, uh, meaning like where you're, you're kind of are from a risk standpoint. And and I consider myself a climber, um, not a camper. And then there's the, whatever the other one was, was like someone that not, doesn't even try to do it. And I think that when you, when you're, when your why will make you cry, you'll climb, right? You might you mm-hmm. might take some time oh, yeah. to camp because you because like you have to you gotta rest and restore and enjoy um, things, but you want to get back
0: or figure out the game plan, yeah. right? That could be also like you know gathering information, all that yeah. stuff, and setting. A but lineup. I'm not happy
1: unless I'm climbing, or at least I'm mapping out the the ascent, right? And so, and right. then there's other people that are just like the thought of that buries them in in it it's sad for me. And, and so like, that's also a place like if I can help someone find their why, um, which that's what I'm really trying to do with the youth that I work with is help them find their purpose and, and help them kind of find out what God has in store for them, so to speak. And, and um, that's their why, because if you can help them find their why now through great questions um, and being able to understand how to ask those, like, you know, what do you want to be in your grow up? That's a ridiculous question. Like, but asking them like, what makes you happy? What are the things that really excite you? And, and say, what kind of music, where do you, where, you know, there's some questions I ask, like, where, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would it be to visit? Right. And it's crazy. Like either some of the small, but I mean, you know, I'm not one to judge, but just some small things or some of the things like how hard it is for them to comprehend that. And I'll take them on a path. Okay. You want to go to Thailand? Great. What do you want to do there? What do you want to explore? And, and the, the, what I'm trying to do for them is when you take a goal or a dream and you make it real, and you map it out to where you're like, that's A, that's B, that's C, that's D. You can actually, you can get to Z. But if you're just like, ah, Z, but it's just a fantasy. It's just a dream. It's not real. And I think the thing, same thing goes to our why. When we think about our purpose and our mission of what we want to see, um, whether it's in our children or our, our work life, or our personal life, or our marriage, um, and really map out like, what do I got to do to do that? And who do I have to become to be, to be that? And those kind of things. Um, it allows us to to accomplish that and really taste the, uh, kind of the, the fruit of life, um, from being intentional in that, in that purpose. Yeah. I love that.
0: Anything you want to leave with before we, uh, get into our final questions?
1: No, I don't think so. I think that, um, anyone listening is probably drinking the Kool-Aid of wanting to be a, a warrior, a warrior dad. And, and that's amazing. And I applaud all the dads out there that are being intentional with their with their kids, uh, they're taking the time to listen to a podcast like this, they're taking notes, they're working on their, their lives uh, to be better individuals so that they can be better parents and, and set good examples for their uh, children because society needs us to do our job so that we can bring great people into the world.
0: Yeah, I love that. And also let everybody know where they can find out more about you, the book, um, the work that you're doing, all that good stuff. If you're on social media, um, please let people know where they can find you on social media as well. Yeah,
1: you can. Uh, I'm on Instagram at AdamLam33. Uh, my book's on Amazon, betterthanthebinge.com. If uh, anyone has questions on their health and hormones or anything like that anywhere in the country we work, it's Adam at RenewLifeRx.com.
0: So you can work anywhere, no matter where they're
1: at in the country. Yeah. As long as you're in the yeah, US yeah, in the country. Yep, yeah. We have yep. okay. uh, physicians and somebody nationwide. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Okay. So better than the binge.com and then Adam lamb, three, correct. L a M B just, just regular lamb, yes. Right. Awesome. Okay. You ready for the 10 questions? I
1: am. Let's go.
0: All right. So as we end every episode with 10 questions inspired by James Lipton and Bernard Pivot, and uh, here we go. So number one, who is your hero? Billy Graham. What excites you? Opportunity. What turns you off? Negativity. What is your favorite sound?
1: My kids laughing. Hmm.
0: What is your least favorite sound? My kids crying favorite quote or saying.
1: If God is for me, who can be against me?
0: Nice. Or what should a dad be?
1: A strategic guide.
0: And in a couple words, what should a dad not be? Absent. Nice. If you could try any other profession,
1: what would... a talk show host. <laughs> And finally,
0: what would you like to be remembered for?
1: Uh, Impacting hundreds of people's lives for the better. Nice. I have to ask about number nine. What kind of talk show? I don't know. I just think of like, I don't think enough of our (laughs) talk shows are good. So I feel like I would have a good positive one. Um, and And I know I have like some clients that are talk show people and their job's not that hard. I know they get stressed out, but like I have to help. Tell them like, hey, you get to sit there and be on TV and just talk about stuff. It's not that bad. <laughs> I think it'd be like if I can get I love paid, that answer, though, yeah, millions of dollars to be a talk show. How great would that be? Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: right. Nice, awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really loved. Everything that we talked about, I think, you know, I say that I think I probably say this with every single episode, but I I genuinely truly mean it every single time that I get something out of every episode and talking to every single guest, no matter who it is. Um, And I know people are are gonna take away so many nuggets with this and hopefully take action and implement at least just one thing that you mentioned uh, on this episode. So I really, really appreciate your time.
1: Awesome, well, thank you so much. appreciate it. It was great being on your uh, podcast and I, I, I learned a lot as well. And thank you for, for what you're doing. Absolutely. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye.
0: You too. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the warrior dad's podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again and keep on being a warrior dad.